You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. I, I thought we would pause, and we have. And so now, if we look at uh, gold, gold's been stuck. It went over 2,000, and then it backed off, and it's under 2,000 right now. It's at 1970. And I've been saying that anything under 2,000 is like a danger zone. So, you know, is is are we going to pause here and go higher, or are we going to correct? I think we're going to correct, and correct um, somewhat hard um, before the end of the year. Welcome back into Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. Thank you for tuning in. Well, today's show is brought to you by Arcana Silver Corporation. The ticker symbol is AUN in Toronto and AUNFF in New York. Website is arcana.com. And this is a soon-to-be silver producer. The next immediate catalyst for the company should be, hopefully, the announcement of the debt facility for the final capex needed to bring the Revenue Virginius mine into production in Q1 of next year. This is a company we have been covering and I was recently a month ago at the mine touring it. So if you haven't seen that video, I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes below. Well, my guest today is Don Durrett of goldstockdata.com. If you're not familiar with Don's website, head on over there. It is probably the best deal at only $149 per year for excellent research on a, a, a lot of potential companies that you could invest in as a mining stock speculator and investor. So Don, welcome back onto the show. And how about we start off with your market overview? What are you seeing in the markets and how does this have an impact on the gold market? Well, hi, Bill. Thanks for having me back. So Silver, uh, you know, jumped into a bull market here uh, four weeks ago, and well, actually, it ended four weeks ago. We've been stagnant. We jumped up from 1850 um, all the way to 29, and now we backed off and we got stuck. And we've been, and I said we're probably going to pause at 27. I thought we might pause at 22, but we didn't. We just ran all the way up to 29, and now we paused at 27, and everybody's waiting to see, you know, where we go. I, I thought we would pause, and we have. And so now, if we look at uh, gold, gold's been stuck. It went over 2,000, and then it backed off, and it's under 2,000 right now. It's at 1970. And I've been saying that anything under 2,000 is like a danger zone. So, you know, is is are we going to pause here and go higher, or are we going to correct? I think we're going to correct, and correct um, somewhat hard um, before the end of the year. So the way I look at it is um, – the next 60 days, the high probability the, is the highest probability we correct. And if we don't correct in the next 60 days, then it goes all the way out to like six months. But within six months, I see a big correction. So the correction, I think, is going to be 5 to 15% in the precious metals and, say, 10 to 20% in the stocks. And so I'm looking at that. And so people right now, if they're like, you know, we're in a bull market and gold and silver, but, you know, do you want to – people are trying to get exposure – but simultaneous to that, you know, is it, it, it might be a good time to wait for this pullback, especially stocks that you think that are pricey. Um, so if we look at the, the markets overall, so this is the Dow. The Dow's at 28,000, and it hasn't corrected since its run back in March. And I think, um, I think it's really pricey right now. So um, Warren Buffett, he has this – everybody talks about his favorite um, po uh, point that he looks at for valuations, which is the market cap of the entire stock market versus GDP. And currently, it's, a, it's a, the highest it's ever been. So the stock market is very pricey. 
which is for me, that's, you know, an indicator. So everything's for me points to a correction coming um, in the stock market, probably first, and then gold goes down with it. And then silver goes with gold. And so that's the one thing that I'm kind of looking at. It's what I'm expecting. So if we see a 15% sell off in gold, is your downside target approximately 1600, 1575? Yeah, that's kind of the worst case. Yeah, it's as low as I think it'll go. I'm hoping 1800 holds in this correction, but I don't think it will. So I'm, I'm looking 17, 1750, somewhere in there is kind of the bottom. If we happen to break up, break out to the upside right now, out of this sideways trading, would there be a target that once we break through, you would say, okay, I'm no longer expecting that type of pullback? Uh, no, I, I I think that the only thing that if we do a little higher, say we get above um, 2000, I think the fear trade um, is probably going to get stronger and that more people are going to um, go think they're, they're psychologically they're going to think that gold is at 2000 for a reason, if you will. And so you're going to have more demand for gold. And that could prevent the down when we do come in, when we do get the correction, it, it, we maybe will 1800 will hold. So I would like to get above 2000. And that tells me that 1800 has a good chance of holding 1900, in my opinion, has no chance of holding when this correction comes. So I'm just hoping 1800 holds. So the higher we go in gold right now, if we go to 2000, even maybe 2100. So 2075 is, is the all time high. So if we get above that, that'd be fantastic. I'm not really expecting it. Um, but then that just means the higher we go in gold right now, that just means that the uh, we'll get a higher low. So 1800 has a good chance of holding, I think. But no, we're we're not breaking out here. We're not silver's not going to 50 right now without a correction. I just don't see that happening. That actually relates a little bit to what I've been thinking about as I've been attending virtual meetings for the Beaver Creek Precious Metals Conference and talking to CEOs and getting introduced to some companies I wasn't aware of. And when I'm talking to companies that are in that development stage, Don, the, the pre-feasibility or feasibility stage, there are fewer catalysts or I should say catalysts that the market will get less excited about. And the, the company essentially, if it's a gold play, is a leveraged play on the price of gold. So if gold's going to correct 15%, these companies might correct 75%. You know, how do you look at these type of plays and a lack of catalysts other than the gold price? Uh, yeah, it's a really good point. And, and I've been writing about this in my newsletter and, and, and Twitter as well, is that in the early stages of the bull market, a lot of these optionality plays and, and the catalyst there is higher gold prices is going to push you higher or low, you know, low valuation of gold in the ground is going to push you higher. And that's kind of your catalyst early in the in the cycle. But after they get pushed up, then the, the you know you have less bang for your buck basically, and the risk reward starts to drop. So if your only catalyst is real, is kind of an optionality play, and you really don't have a path to production. So if you talk about you know a pre-feasibility play, even though you might have a pre-feasibility uh, study, that doesn't necessarily mean you have a path to production. Um, and so you're basically you're somewhat dependent on that, you know, that optionality investor uh, wanting in, but the risk reward starts to drop. And so for me, the, the catalyst really flips to um, your producers. So as we get to above $2,000 gold, um, every $100 um, adds unbelievable to your producers. So your risk reward really flips over to your producers once the cycle really kind of kicks in. For instance, um, 
right now the all-in cost for like GDX or GDXJ is around 1200 to 1300 and when I say all-in I'm talking about your break-even not the AISC which I think is not a good number to use but for me um, say 1200 to 1300 so right now the margins are like five six hundred dollars almost seven hundred those are huge margins for your producers your gold producers and every hundred dollars that you increase in the gold price just creates unbelievable leverage for these companies and the longer that you stay above two thousand the more leverage you get uh, conversely if you look at silver right now all in for silver is has a little bit bigger range it's more like 16 to 22. Um, so the, the margins right now are, are very good. You know, you're looking like, you know, $7 margins right now. Um, and every time you go up, those margins start increasing. So if you look at the company like First Majestic, they're priced right now about $12. If silver um, doubles, um, their share price is going to more than double. And, you know, it's going to go from 12 to 24 before you get to, you know, doubling a silver price. And then once they double you start getting unbelievable leverage. Um, say, if silver goes from 50 to 60, for instance, that's a 20% move. The, the silver producers are all going to go up at least 30, 40%. I mean, you're talking about just massive moves here once we get above, say, $50 silver. So those are the catalysts that I'm looking for. I'm really looking at companies that are really um, have, you know, fairly, uh, I don't know if they have to have great balance sheets, but, um, you know, decent um, uh, guidance for production, uh, stable management, um, you know, good execution in the past. Those are the companies that are going to really benefit from, you know, a catalyst of higher, higher gold, silver prices. Don, I spoke to a CEO today and I was asking about specific catalysts for the company and the nearest catalyst was six significant catalyst was six months out and i politely told him that that's just too far for me to buy a junior a, a cash eating a cash consuming junior with its nearest catalyst being six months out how do you view and how do you consider catalysts for juniors and how far the, out they are when you're considering a new position I need to ask you, because there's lots of different catalysts, which catalyst was this that you were turned off by for six months? What it's a, was a per permitting, kind of like a binary permitting catalyst. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was a total, um, depending um, on on the difficulty of getting the permit, it's like, you know, if you're confident, for instance, six months for a permit is nothing. I mean, that's a very short period of time. I mean, we wait five years for a permit. So if we're only waiting six months for a permit and it's a good project, I'd look at the whole encompassing. I'd look at the whole thing. Um, that wouldn't necessarily uh, stop me um, from buying it. Um, if I was confident they were going to get the permit. Now, if I wasn't confident, I'd wait. I'd wait until they got the permit. That's, for me, the key. Um, so another you know, another catalyst, for, let's say there's a legal issue and everything is tied up, and the only way, for instance, if they're going to restart their mine, I'm not going to buy the stock until after the legal issue is resolved. So you want to, you have to be very um, patient, you know, and wait for these, you know, if you call them catalysts, to resolve themselves before you kind of get in. And when you're looking at a permitting risk, it's not just the government's approval, but you've mentioned to me in the past that you have to pay attention to third-party lawsuits. Yes, absolutely. Depending on where the permitting has taken place, um, especially in the United, in the United States, because a lot in the United States is very in, in certain areas. For instance, I remember back 
um, in Montana, which is normally not considered, you know, a very, you know, legit, where they do a lot of litigation, you know, against minors. It's supposed to be a somewhat minor friendly area. And I remember this one company, I mean, they got their permit and then we had to wait two years and I had to go through the court systems through private party uh, lawsuits. So even if you if you think they're going to get a permit, um, you have to be, depending on when the location, you have to realize that uh, there could be a third party lawsuit that comes in and, and and just stops everything for a while until those lawsuits get resolved. And there's always that, and, you know, that's that's always a possibility. So permitting is not guaranteed just because the government gives them a permit. It's not a guarantee that the mine's going to get do you ever speculate on legal outcomes like that, Don, where like we saw with Tahoe Resources and the Escobar mine that Pan American now has there in Guatemala? But when that the issue was um, brought up by a third party there, then the stock just cratered. And I actually bought a bunch, a lot of the stock when it cratered and held it for a period of time. I think I got out with like a 15 percent gain. But have you ever speculated on uh, one of those legal situations like that? Yeah, and usually the way that I speculate isn't that I buy the stock. It's usually that I own it and I hold it. So the speculation is that you hold it because you're confident that it will resolve itself. And, you know, 90% of the time these things do resolve themselves because you have usually have a workforce involved. For instance, there's a lot of mines in Mexico that, you know, they get, get halted either because of a strike or because of a, uh, a local issue where they're basically blocking the road. And, you know, usually they always get resolved and people will jump out of their stock. It happens all the time. You know, a company will drop you know, 10% because of a, a block. And that and that's speculating. It's like, oh, I'm confident that, that'll resolve itself. Another one was Hecla mining. I mean, Hecla, I mean, if people remember a couple of years ago, uh, they had their silver mine, they had a strike in Idaho and their mine basically, their stock basically crashed and nobody wanted to hold it. And I'm like, this, that will resolve itself. It did take like two years to resolve, but you know, if you held it, now it's back up to $4 a share. Um, so for me, speculating is more about, you know, that type, holding on to what I already have, um, having confidence these things will resolve themselves. And sometimes, but sometimes it makes sense to kind of buy those dips when people, uh, when companies have problems. They might not have a legal issue. Sometimes they have like a grade problem or a cost problem and the stock will, cr will crash and you can speculate and buy the dip thinking that these things are going to resolve themselves. Those are usually can be very good opportunities. Speculating. Don, a headline that caught my attention recently was uh, posted at market close on September 15th, and it was by Victoria Gold Corp. They announced that Orion Mine Finance, one of their larger shareholders, was going to be selling Canadian $50 million worth of shares at $17 per share via bought deal, secondary offering. You know, what is your thoughts here? Some people were worried that Orion was going to try to take over the company, but now it looks like they're exiting. So, yeah, there was a lot of speculation that Orion was going to try to take it private um, because that's what they did with Delradian and um, in Ireland. And I think that was their that was their what they wanted to do. But what they didn't anticipate was that the price of gold was going to go to nineteen hundred. So the price of gold went to nineteen hundred and they no longer could buy it cheap. I think they wanted to buy it cheap. And so they basically said, let's just run. We, we got our profit. So they got in really early. And now they're basically saying, well, we can't, 
you know, we don't have enough. Going to be, we're not going to be able to buy cheap. They're going to, you know, we're probably going to have to pay a premium on top of it. So we don't really want to do that and take it private. So they decided to run. Um, I, I actually think it's positive in a certain respect because now that 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 possibility is gone. You know, now we don't have to really worry about them going private unless a, a Chinese company comes in and tries to buy them out. Um, but now I think it'll come back. So it's it's down it's down pretty hard um, today and and actually the last I think even more a few days. I mean, if you look at where it was at the top. Um, I think it will come back. The one thing I love the Victoria mine. It is pricey. If you look at their valuation, I think eight hundred million dollars. But that's it's. I think it's a, a two billion dollar company. I really do. I, I think I, I think I value it around two billion. Let me take a look real quick. At what price of gold, Don? Uh, at twenty five hundred dollar gold. I think I'm valuing them about two billion. Let me take a look. And I love the project. Yeah, I'm valuing them at two point three billion. So it's still got a lot to go. And that is, I think that this company is if could grow. I I don't know. I for some reason I just get the feeling they want to be taken out. I don't know why. I mean, when I listen to their CEO talk, he he doesn't seem like a guy that's really out there. Um, trying to grow his company. He's, it's almost like he built his company and it's fantastic. We're making profit, um, but they don't seem to have a strategic plan. And maybe that was because they was all they were always expecting Orion to to buy the buy the company. And now maybe they're going to change direction. But I love the the I love the mine. I I, I like the exploration potential. Um, once they clean up their balance sheet, I think they can buy, they can grow through acquisition. Uh, I think it could become a um, like I said, I'm valuing at 2.3. If 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 gold goes up another you know uh, 20% gets to 2,500, I think this stock is gonna you know go up about 200%. So that's not a bad return. So it's very solid. So that's the story on Victoria. Uh, I saw you post on Twitter recently, and I was actually a little surprised based on our previous conversations uh, about companies you own being acquired, but you posted without comment. So I guess I should open it up for your own commentary here. You said, here is my current list of M&A targets. And then you posted, I don't know, 30 or 40 companies. When you posted it, um, what was the reasoning for posting it? Because we've talked on this show many times together about how you don't like when these companies give away their company for a 40 or even 50% premium when you're in it for a five to 10 bagger. Somebody asked me um, if a company was an M&A target. So I said, okay, well, I'll give you, I'll give you my whole list. I forget who, which company they thought was M&A, but so I always maintain an M&A list just, you know, kind of for fun. People ask for some reason, people really like M&A targets. They think that an M&A target is a good investment because if it's an M&A target, it's probably a quality company. I'm not sure what goes into people's thought process about acquiring M&A targets, but um, for me, I I don't look for M&A target. I just look for quality um, opportunities. Uh, Sometimes an M&A target has good upside potential. I mean, really, really good upside. I'm talking three to five bagger. Um, and sometimes um, they might, like Victoria, it's just a really good project and they're an M&A target just because a company uh, wants to grow the reserves and grow their cash flow, um, even though, you know, it's not a, a three bagger, but it's probably a two bagger, but it's just a really good project. So they become an M&A target. Um, so you have lots of different types of tar- M&A targets. You have a producer 
So a producer target is, is, is a company doesn't have a lot of debt on there because the company doesn't want to acquire a lot of debt, of course. And they have good costs. So it's, it's an economic, it's a good cash flow. Um, and that's one of the really main areas is, you know, how, how economic these things are. You know, Victoria is an unbelievably economic pro- mine. And so that's what companies are looking for. They're looking for long life mines in good jurisdictions. You know, Victoria's in the Yukon. It's it's good 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 juris, juris, jurisdiction, uh, good cost, uh, long life, good exploration potential. So that's a producer. Um, then you have development stories. So a development story, companies are looking really for um, uh, buying the gold or buying the silver in the ground cheap. That's one of the main main targets. Uh, most of the takeovers for your development stories that I've seen and Companies are paying like ten to thirty dollars an ounce for gold in the ground, or for silver, you know, a dollar to three dollars in the ground. So they want they they just want to buy the buy it really cheap in the ground and then develop develop it themselves, or um, wait until it's completely de-risk and acquire it. But in the locality is very important too, the location, and then the economics of the project is really important. And then the other one is your is your exploration plays, and your exploration plays is similar to your development. But those those projects, um, a lot, sometimes we don't have a real good understanding of the economics. A lot of it is just, you know, the pure size. Um, you get, you do have a general understanding of the economics, but it's not. Sometimes it's not completely nailed down. You know, we don't have a feasibility study, for example. Um, sometimes we just have a PEA general understanding, but uh, it has a lot of gold or silver in the ground, and then the exploration potential, and they just look really, really enticing. It's like I want, you know, especially you know these companies that are looking for more reserves and they're looking for quality quality exploration plays. You know, quality projects are not you know a dime a dozen. There's not a, a lot of them, and so when a company does a good finds a good um, discovery, uh, you get a lot of eyeballs on it. A lot of people want to get their hands on it. So those are those are your three types of M&As. And Don, before you go, any Australian stock exchange listed companies that have caught your eye as a North American investor? Uh, yeah, there's two right now that I think uh, mid-tier producers that I think are undervalued. Uh, one of them is Dacian. And so Dacian has dropped and, and it's, it's like, you know, kind of a buy the dip situation. Uh, it used to be more pricey and then people kind of soured on it, but you don't get a lot of uh, undervalued uh, mid-tier producers in, in Australia. And, and the, S- the other one I, I like is West Gold. I think West Gold and Dacian have dropped in value. It, I think they both offer um, a lot of value. Um, so those are those are two that have been on my, my mind, if you will. All right. Uh, one final word on, on the election. So the election's like two months away. Um, I really feel that um, this election is, could have a really big impact on gold. So um, Biden just came out with his um, his budget, and it's really high. And so if if he basically said Biden is basically saying, okay, MMT's here, we don't have to worry about deficits, and he has his budget is just massive. And so and Biden is is basically showing us that he's going to have large deficits. Um, so I mean, one thing we can look for, I think that if 
if if he if if the Democrats win and Biden wins, I think we can get really aggressive on gold. I think gold's going to go to at least twenty five hundred next year, maybe even three thousand if we get a Democratic win. So that's something to look at. I mean, is is you know anticipate if you will. Um, and and even if Trump wins, um, MMT. I don't know if MMT is really going to be as effective as as it has been so far. Um, for instance, when I say it, how, how so far, so we haven't had any big any big bankruptcies, for instance. We haven't really had a meltdown in the economy. This recession, this recession was really short-lived. I mean, we're, we're in the middle of a recession, but um, MMT um, and Trump in the first quarter, second quarter next year, it's a bit of a wild card. We don't know the out, outcome of that. So with Trump winning gold price, it's a bit of a, a wild card. We don't know. But I think if Biden wins, I think we know. So I just want to throw that out there. If you're not familiar with Don's work, please head on over to goldstockdata.com. And if you're on Twitter, make sure to follow Don at his name, at Don Durrett. Don does post um, interesting things and uh, regarding the gold sector and mining stock investing and some entertainment tweets as well on his Twitter feed. So Don, thanks for coming on Mining Stock Education today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own 
own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.